For a fast track discount on all my courses and merchandise, visit fasttracktofearless.com and use the code POD20 at checkout. Welcome to Fast Track to Fearless. I'm Tracy Forsyth, and I'm here to help you become 100% career confident. In each episode, we learn the secrets of inspirational people and fearless leaders as they share their journeys to success. If I can't be okay with where I am by now, God help me. At this point, I'm being a little psychotic. That's Cheryl R. Riley, and seriously, she's right. Her achievements are immense. To me, Cheryl is a true symbol of female strength, creativity, and fearlessness. I think I'm just authentic. I try to be fully self-expressed as who I am as I present myself in the world. Cheryl is an artist, furniture designer, and art advisor whose focus is artists of the Black African diaspora. A member of the Black Artists and Designers Guild, she's known for creating amazing wall art, public artworks, and stunning installations. Her furniture designs are featured in many museums, including two Smithsonian's and the San Francisco Museum of Modern Art. Oh, and if that's not enough, she's even a model too. I first met Cheryl 16 years ago when I was working on a documentary about extraordinary interior designers. And there she was, a woman exuding so much confidence and energy, it was infectious. And yet, underneath it all, just like many of us, Cheryl has this nagging feeling of not being enough. I think that it's a facade that I've been able to project Uh, I have a lot of self-doubt and I criticize myself tremendously, but the evidence is the opposite because I think that I never let up on myself. I'm always pushing to achieve more and maybe that's why I come off that way. But inside, I always feel I think I'm lacking something or I could have done it better when I look back at things. So I think I'm a perfectionist and more so toward myself than I am toward everyone else in my life. And maybe that's a good thing. Maybe that makes me constantly work at being the best and better and trying to learn from mistakes and learn from things when I find I feel that I've disappointed myself. Although Cheryl's inner critic is clearly misinformed, she's managed to harness its power for good. If you ever catch yourself listening too closely to your inner critic, try treating it like an elderly relative who loves you. Understand that it's just looking out for you, but then step back and rationalise that concern. Being overly self-critical often comes from the way we're brought up or our life experiences, which is particularly true for Cheryl. I grew up in the South, in Texas, in Houston, Texas, and and unfortunately, Texas is one of the more racist states in America, in the South, and there were things that I excelled a lot in school, you know, uh, but the schools were very segregated, and you the propaganda was always that Caucasians were superior in every way. And I think my mother was aware of that. And at some point in high school, I believe, in the summer, one summer, she enrolled me in um, some classes at Rice University, which is a really prestigious university in uh, Texas. 
And when I was in the room with other white people, it was very clear that I was adequate. And so that continued in my life when I went to, uh, we didn't have a guidance counselor at my school. Uh, my father, where he grew up in Texas, there was no school to go to for a Black person after sixth grade. So he wasn't a lot of help for me in that way. My mother had a nervous breakdown at some point, and so she kind of disappeared, but she was from a family that was educated. But I just didn't have as much exposure with them. So I didn't pick the right school, but I ended up in the dorm that was the oldest dorm on the campus. And I was the only African-American that had chosen that dorm. All the other Black kids went to the dorm that was the most modern and the newest building. <laughs> but again, guess what? I was the only person in my dorm that made the dean's list. But unfortunately, that caused the teach. Uh, a, I don't know. A, I don't. I must have been a conversation for the professors because after that, they started downgrading me as far as my grades. I still graduated with a good grade point average, but I no longer got the types of grades that I was getting at first. But it, it just, you know, you didn't expect to be treated fairly. So that fortunately or unfortunately was an advantage. So you, you kind of just knew that you had to be of excellence. And this was how I was raised about being of excellence and doing better than what is expected of you being, being a good representation for your race. And you know, it, we as women know that too. I mean, there is also sexism, you know, so I call it the double whack pack. <laughs> There are certain professions which really crank up the volume of that inner critic. The art world is a prime example. On the one hand, you understand it isn't easy to become a success in the world of art. And on the other hand, people around you, particularly your loved ones, are reinforcing that concern. Sometimes it requires an epiphany to overcome your own worst fears. One of my aunts had a grocery store and I would work in the store before school and after school. And um, her uh, supplier was a Jewish man. And one day my aunt was, I was there drawing when he came in to get her orders. And he, he was like, wow, you can draw. And so I drew him and he gave me money for, to buy that. And that was like, wow, I can get paid for my work. And it just took off from there at school. I was the person who illustrated and laid out our yearbooks. When I got in high school, our little social club, the girls' social club, they decided I would pick the pattern that our uniforms would be in the fabrics. In college, I made money on the side by doing illustrations for the clothing stores in town. And so I realized that I could thrive in that world. It was a psychological obstacle for me as I really became more knowledgeable about art that I didn't have an MFA. But if I can't be okay with where I am by now, God help me. Because yeah, I mean, how many people <laughs> can say that they're in two Smithsonian Museum collections? You know, it's like kind of crazy. At this point, I'm being a little psychotic if I'm not accepting <laughs> I'm okay. It's okay. I'm all right. 
All right. Yes, I think Cheryl's more than all right. So what traits have really led her to success in life? I think I'm just authentic. My mother was highly fashionable. And and as you said, when you see the pictures of my family, uh, I think that that is something that is pretty much standard in most Black middle class, in all, all of the Black culture. I mean, we are really the style and fashion setters of pretty much the world, especially African-Americans, I think, do have a lot of influence on fashion. And it's really been a joy for me to see how many of the models now in the major publications are Black, because when I was growing up, that wasn't the case. I think what I do is I I try to be fully self-expressed as who I am as I present myself in the world. And other people see that and are drawn to that and find ways to utilize it. And I'm open, especially when I moved to San Francisco, I had this whole cohort of gay men. Well, I was their Barbie doll. And <laughs> Halloween, oh my God, Halloween? Oh, <laughs> yeah, the things that they would do. Uh, and how they would dress me. I mean, I, I can remember one Halloween, only one breast was covered. I mean, and we're out in the street <laughs> in black lipstick before black lipstick ever happened. I think they must have used mascara or something. I mean, I just, I just kind of give myself over to things that come to me, the opportunities that show up. I'd like to take a quick break to tell you more about the courses and resources available at fasttracktofearless.com. You can work directly with me in my signature course, Sell Yourself Fearlessly Without Feeling Like an Imposter. In this step-by-step masterclass, I'll give you all the tools you need to defeat imposter syndrome, conquer self-doubt, and create a confident elevator pitch. If you need help building your resume, enroll in my Fearless Feedback course, where I help you distill your experience and expertise into a paragraph that catches the eye of recruiters and employers. And if that's not enough, There's loads of free resources too. Find out how to get balance back into your life, learn my seven steps to becoming fearlessly you, and sign up to my Fast Track to Fearless mini course. All of this on fasttracktofearless.com. Remember, podcast listeners get an extra 20% off all paid courses. Just use the code POD20 at checkout. It might seem like Cheryl's success comes from being fearless, But she says it's actually because she loves the work she does so much she feels compelled to do it. She'd do it even if she wasn't paid. And whilst that's extremely powerful, it can make an artist lose sight of their worth. You can't buy your art supplies if you don't have any money. I think that artists are undervalued a lot of times. I rarely will, I I will give away some things sometimes to someone who really deserves it. But I think it is a matter of principle that I be paid for what I do. And that was that first lesson I got when I drew our supplier at my aunt's grocery store. I think that artists are the most important people practically in any culture and society. Almost everything we know about Florence in the 15th century is from the art that was painted at that time or the architecture that was built 
right? Even books that are put together, look at the bindings and the covers of the older books and how beautifully they're illustrated and drawn by maybe Catholic priests, right? So I, I think that art is one of the ultimate practices that humans have come up with. And it is primal to humans, as we find, as we keep seeing new petroglyphs show up and caves that they uncover, that people have expressed what is in their environment since the beginning of people. Racism has been present for Cheryl at many points in her life. As a child, it was ever-present, growing up in a segregated Texas. In her adult life, the racism was perhaps more unconscious, but no less real. But, as I'm sure you've realised by now, Cheryl is a force to be reckoned with and will not be held back by anything. The biggest obstacles were typically perception of a woman, of a black woman. You know, I think that that was uh, a lot of the time. So I'll give you an example. When I worked at the largest advertising agency in San Francisco, I was working on the two biggest accounts at the agency as an assistant account executive. And then I got promoted to being an account executive on that largest account. And the smaller account, I wasn't. One of my accounts was Barclays Bank of uh, California, which it was a British bank. And most of the uh, the team that we worked with, the client side, were still were British as well. Uh, I don't know. Maybe they came to the table with a different point of view. But when the gentleman left our team, who had been managing their account. I still was kept as an assistant account executive and I took over his job and was managing their account. And finally, the lady who was the head of that team went to the management at my company and they and she wanted to understand why hasn't Cheryl been promoted to account executive? She's actually doing a better job than John or whatever the guy's name was that had left. And and she wanted to know, what, weren't they valued? Why, why would you have an assistant account executive managing our account? And so I got called into the office. I mean, and everyone was there, the whole team, the management, and everybody was like this big deal. I was like, oh, my God, what happened? What did I do? And they said, Cheryl, we have great news for you. We're going to promote you. You're going to be. And this lady told me she had done this. And she and they said, we're going to make you account executive on Barclays, but you will still be assistant account executive on Hyperion Computer and Almond and Wine. And I, to this day, don't know where I got the power to say what I said next, because they expected me to be really excited, grateful and Accept that. And I said, well, that's lovely news, but I'm going to wait until you think I am of the quality to just be an account executive. Because in my five years working here, I've never seen anyone have both of those titles. You're either an account executive or you're not. You know, I said, so when you feel I'm up to the to part, I'll wait until that. Because I said, I won't know what card to give people when we're out on new business. They give, you know, do I give them assistant accounting? So, so I left and their faces were like, but it just showed how unconscious they were of their own racism and sexism that they would even say that or do that, you know. And so those kinds of things is what really stuck with me about being paid what your, your value is 
And so when I came to work the next day at the ad agency, of course, when they cleared their fog out of their brains of their way of being, they realized, yes, this is ridiculous. Why would we even say something like that? And of course, they gave me the title. But, you know, also they were under threat of losing the second biggest account of the agency. <laughs> so. Success isn't a selfish endeavor. People are not islands, and it's very difficult to get anywhere without a little help. So when you have the chance to give back and pay it forward, you shouldn't think twice. Who knows, it may help you more than you know. What to me is my greatest, one of my greatest legacies is the help that I have given to young artists, other emerging artists, and uh, the contribution I've been to the elevation of artists of the Black African diaspora. I was lucky enough to be on some boards of uh, museums, the San Francisco Museum and the American Craft Council, and now what's called the Museum of Art and Design. And in those places, I was also on the board of the first artist residency, uh, site-specific artist residency in America. And in those places, as we were reviewing artists they're considering, I would bring up the point that there were no Black artists being considered. And I wanted to know, were there no Black artists in the entire world that were qualified to have that? And now many of those artists are the most famous Black artists in the world. So I feel really great about having made that contribution and also getting more African-Americans to purchase Black art. And so I have a lot of young people, young Black artists that I mentor. And it comes back to you. Guess what? Just yesterday, I gave a lecture for a class and a young Black man, who had, young boy who had sent me his resume, asked me if I would critique it and give him some advice. And I did that. And he goes back to his professor and says, tells her all about me and says that he thinks I should be one of the guest speakers. And yesterday I did that and I got paid for that. And I asked for a pay. I, and the professor goes, well, typically our speakers don't uh, don't get paid, but we do have a budget for it. And I thought, well, I'll take it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I didn't expect anything when I did it for the young man. And I'm, I do this all the time. Now, I've mentioned the word success a few times in this episode. But as we know, success means something different to everyone. And it can be hard to pinpoint whether or not you've actually achieved it. At that point, you just need to follow your gut. Well, I don't know if I am a success. I, I don't have six figures in the bank, and I think I would feel more of a success if I, if I had a lot of money. But on other levels, I feel I am a success. In the contribution I've been to other people's lives, I feel I'm, I've been a tremendous success, and that gives me a lot of pleasure. And in the fact that I am doing what I was gifted to do and I get paid to do it. I don't know. I just feel that I go with the flow. And when an avenue opens up to me and if it feels that water feels warm and it feels good and it's going at the right speed, then I go into it. I wait on in. Not every opportunity that it comes to me do I I take. I, it, it has to feel right in the the people who were part of it have to have the right spirit and energy for me to pour my spirit into it because then my creativity gets blocked if it's not in the right pool. 
Finally, what is Cheryl's motto to live by? I like to follow my dreams. I like to be open to possibilities, to honor uh, my natural talents. I like to give back in the ways that I'm capable of giving back. And I like to surround myself with loving and supportive friends. A massive thank you to Cheryl R. Riley for joining me on the podcast. So what can we take away? You don't need a degree to be successful, especially if you're already reaping the rewards of all the success that you've built. If you didn't need a degree to get where you are now, you don't need one to keep pushing forward. Give yourself over to the things that come to you, to the opportunities that show up on the doorstep. Just make sure it feels right to you before you dive in. Don't undervalue your own skills. And equally, make sure you fight your corner when you feel your worth is underappreciated. You won't always be treated fairly in life. Prejudice is everywhere, but excellence can't be ignored. If you strive to be the best, you will overcome many obstacles in life. Make your contribution. Know the barriers you've faced and look out for others who are facing those same barriers, whether it's about race, gender, education or class. Stand up for what's right and use your experiences to help others. Becoming a mentor to others isn't only of benefit to them. You will often be rewarded in many unexpected ways too. And finally, your knowledge and expertise is worth something. Don't just give your work away for free or jump at the chance to speak at an event. Make those opportunities pay. Thanks for listening to Fast Track to Fearless with me, Tracy Forsyth. Please review and like the show on Apple Podcasts. Until then, you can check out all my courses and resources on fasttracktofearless.com. This podcast is produced by OG Podcasts. Find out more at ogpodcasts.co.uk.